0: Thanks for watching. Before we get started with the message, I want to remind you that if there is anything that you need prayer for, please don't hesitate to give us a call, send us an email, or submit a request online. We'd love to stand with you in prayer. Today, Pastor Duane is starting a new series called Lessons Learned. This series stems from his new book, Solomon Says. The first lesson is called Wisdom. Pastor will explain how Solomon became the wisest man to ever live. And give us his 30 tips to have a successful God-pleasing life. Let's take a look.
1: First Kings chapter 3. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for there was a great high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. One's normal. All right. So Solomon offers a thousand burnt offerings. I mean this is like over the top. This is like super generous. This is just going out way, way, way beyond anything that would be normal. And it says, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said to him, ask what you shall and I will give you. So so after this, this tremendous act of real generosity, God appears to Solomon at night in a dream and talks to him. And and I really believe that there's times when we're we're generous that God just shows up and says, look, I'm just going to do something here. I'm going to do something out of the ordinary. And really, it's like like Solomon just won the lottery, all right? God says to him, ask me for anything, and it's yours. How many of you got some things on your list? All right? I mean, literally, he says, ask me for anything, and I'm going to give it to you. After, after this, this tremendous act of generosity, right? So then Solomon is considering, like, what do I ask for? And he says, look, he says, I'm young. This, this nation is great. He said, therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord. That Solomon had asked this thing. And the Lord said to him, because you have asked this thing for wisdom, And you haven't asked for long life for yourself, nor have you asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself an understanding and discerning heart. Behold, I have done according to your words, and see, I have given you wisdom and an understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall there be anyone who arises after you. So I have also given you what you did not ask for, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all of your days. So here's what God says. I'm giving you this wisdom. He said, nobody before you is going to be as wise as you, and nobody after you is going to have the wisdom that I'm going to give you. In other words, Solomon is the wisest person that ever lives except for Jesus. And God gave it to him, and and notice he threw in a bonus of riches and honor, and he said, in long life, if you follow me. So he's the wisest man who ever lived except Jesus. Now, in Proverbs, he said this. He says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. He said, there is nothing as important as wisdom. Now, if we were to knock wisdom down in its simplest form, we can just say it is the ability to properly apply knowledge. But he said, it is the principal thing. And the Bible says that Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Now the riches were really a result of his wisdom, and the result was that people came from all over the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. He was the richest man that was alive at the time, the wisest man that ever lived. He was the greatest achiever of his generation. In fact, he was successful in almost every area of his life except one, and that was his marriage, Jesus. Right. And actually what he did there was he disobeyed God. all right? And in that area, he was not successful. So he's the wealthiest, he's the wisest, he's the most influential. He's the most politically successful. He's an architectural genius, incredible leader. In fact, it's under Solomon that the nation of Israel reaches a pinnacle that it never achieved again, right? Now, I want you to imagine walking into this throne room of Solomon. Now, it took 13 years to build this place with over 100,000 workers. 13 years. But if you were to walk into his throne room, the Bible says that the guards there, they've all got huge... uh, what we call shields, made of solid gold. And Solomon is sitting up on his throne, made of ivory, covered in gold, with six steps going up, with a lion on each side of each step. And the Bible says there is nothing that has ever been made like it for anyone in any kingdom. And we would just walk in there, we'd be kind of like going, Oh my goodness. So there's something that like we had never seen. And as you walk in there, I want you to imagine, he says to you, I have 30 things that I want to say to you, 30 things that will help you in this life. They will help you please God and they will bring success into your life. They're going to affect your relationships, your money, your work your attitudes, your gifts, your skills, your friendships, your emotions, your desires, your future. I'm going to teach you about judgment and about prejudice. I'm going to teach you about things that you think are going to satisfy you, and when you get them, they're going to disappoint you. I'm going to teach you how most people are grasping for wind, and they never, ever achieve what they're trying to achieve. Now, if the wisest, richest man that ever lived said, I want to tell you that. How many would be like, I'm listening? All right. Proverbs 22, verse 20. Have I not written you 30 sayings for you, sayings of counsel and knowledge, teaching you to be honest, to speak the truth, so that you may bring back a truthful report to those who you serve? He has 30 things that he believes will help us in our life. Now, Very few people succeed on a high level without a mentor. It just doesn't happen. In fact, John Maxwell says, you'll never maximize your potential in any area without coaching. It's impossible. You may be good. You may even be better than anybody else. But without outside input, you'll never be as good as you could be. Tim Elmore writes this, Mentors can be priceless. Years ago, Harvard Business Review published a cover titled, Everyone Who Makes It Has a Mentor. A journalist had interviewed hundreds of CEOs to find what they had in common. What was their key to their wealth and success? In the end, they had just one element in common. Every one of them had a mentor. Is it any wonder that half of the Nobel Peace Prize winners around the world mention? that they were mentored by previous Peace Prize recipients, or that many of the most brilliant and talented athletes have personal trainers, or that so many business leaders actually invite and pay someone to be an executive coach or a life coach for them. It isn't a coincidence. You see, sometimes we can think we can just pass over that wisdom, and we think all I want is the money. Just, just, I, won't be like, I just want to be like, just give me the money, right? Jack Whitaker was doing fine before he won $315 million in 2002. He owned a West Virginia construction company, of which he was president. He was already a millionaire. So it was pretty shocking when four years after receiving $315 million, he was broke. Not to mention his daughter and granddaughter died of overdoses, which he thinks would have never happened without the extra money. My granddaughter is dead because of the money, he told ABC. He was also robbed in his car of over a half a million dollars. You know, my wife had said she wished she had just torn the ticket up. Well, I wish I had torn that ticket up too. $315 million. And in four years, it was all gone and a family devastated. I don't know exactly what happened to him, but I know this, that money without wisdom it's not good zeal without wisdom it's not good it's not good wisdom it is the principal thing it's the principal thing Uh, the Bible tells us literally in the beginning that we were created and we were created to increase you were created to become more than you are today to learn more to become wiser to be more significant, to touch more people's lives, to add value to more people. Right? So let's take a look at some of what Solomon had to say this morning. Proverbs 22 in verse 2, he begins the 30 things he wants to say. He says, Do not exploit the poor because they're poor, and don't crush the needy in court, for the Lord will take up their cause and will exact life for life. The bottom lesson is this. The Lord is the avenger of the poor, of the destitute, and those who seem to get no justice in the court of life. I remember, and I don't know if I will ever forget, after a service I usually hang around the front, and a woman came up, and she was in tears. She got to me, and she said, it is not fair, and it's not right. He said, my four-year-old daughter was sexually abused. She we went to court. She was articulate about what had happened. She gave details about what happened, but they would not let her testify in court. And the person that molested her, he said, not only got off scot-free, but has visitation rights with her. And she she was just bawling. And she said, it is not right. It is not right. And I said, you're right that it's not right, but it's not over. It's not over there is a judgment day. There is one who will take up their cause. That's what the Bible says. There's one that will take up their cause. Uh, That mother, she she reminded me of injustice, that it's all around us in this life. But you need to understand that ultimately, nobody gets away with anything. But as, as a believer today... See, literally, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but when Jesus comes back, Jesus will set right every wrong. He will set right every wrong. But in Romans 12, verse 19, it says, Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So, What we're to do as believers, you see, Christianity, a lot of people think is about being forgiven of your sins. That's only half. Christianity is not just about being forgiven of your sins. It's forgiving others. It's forgiving others. So the Bible says don't avenge yourself, right, which is the natural thing that you want to do. It says, but what you need to do, you need to leave it to God because God says, I will repay. If you leave it with God, he will will take care of it all right so as a believer the only thing that we're to do is forgive every time i remembered so clearly a pastor sitting in my office and saying to me these people did this and they did this and they did this he said and i want to do this and this and i said no you've got one thing you can do and that's forgive and he said but they did this and they did this and they did this and i said ben you got one thing that you can do and that's this forgive Right? And uh, I talked to him not long ago. He reminded me of our conversation. He said, you were right. Well, really, I wasn't right. Jesus is right. When Jesus talks about faith in Mark 11, it is the, the, the most all-inclusive discourse on the subject of faith anywhere in the Bible. And then Jesus ends with this. Every time you pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Let me remember the Lord's Prayer, forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And and, and by the way, you say, but what if I don't feel like it? Well, forgiveness isn't a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision, right? And faith without works is dead. And so you don't just forgive, then you pray for them. And you pray God bless them, that God will deliver them, that God will reveal himself to them, all right? And as you do that, as you put faith with your works, God comes and literally begins to work in your heart, all right? And I'm glad to say that that, uh, as I talked with that woman, she forgave. She forgave, all right? Our anger and disappointment needs to be given over to God, and God will take up your case. It says in 1 Timothy 5, Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow later. In other words, some people you can clearly see what they do and you can see them begin to receive their recompense. You see, there's three things that can happen when someone does wrong. Just three, right? One is that they repent and ask God for forgiveness. And if they will do that, God will forgive them just like he forgave you and just like he forgave me. You say that sin, is it paid for? That's what Jesus went to the cross to pay for. If they don't repent they may receive their recompense at least part of it in this life but if they don't that's all right because there is a judgment day there is a day when jesus will set every right wrong the bible says don't be deceived god is not mocked whatever a man sows that he will also reap in revelation 22 the last chapter in the bible jesus said i'm coming quickly to reward everyone according to their works. According to their works. You see, he is the righteous judge. In fact, Abraham, as he's praying for that wicked city, Sodom, he said, will not the judge of all the earth do right? Yeah, he is going to do right. Right? First Peter 1. Since you call on the Father who judges each person impartially, living out your live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. God judges impartially. And again Romans 12:19, beloved, don't avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And we really need to have an eternal perspective and understand nobody gets away with anything. Nobody, right? Now, some people they think that they're better than others. They might think they're better because of money, because of education, because of ethnicity, because of the color of their skin. But I want you to know that God totally disagrees. Yeah. All right? He said in Acts 17 that he made all people from one blood. Made them all from one blood. And when God created us in the beginning, he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Uh, God created all men. All of us trace our roots back to Adam and Eve. So listen, every person has the same eternal value. All right? Now, in this life, listen, Jesus, Jesus said this. He tells a parable about the talents. And a talent there is actually an amount of money. It says that he gave each according to their ability. One five, one two, and one one. We all don't have the same ability. I used to be six foot two. I shrunk about an inch. I'm a six foot two white guy. I could. I have never touched the rim in my life. We all don't have the same giftings or abilities, but we all have the same value. Not that everyone has the exact same value. In fact, Jesus said, "What would it profit you?" If you gained the whole world, but you forfeited your soul. He said, you are worth more than the entire world with a fence around it. Every person. Every person. All right? And in God's view, no one has preferential status. No one escapes God's ultimate judgment. And God takes up the cause of the poor, the disadvantaged, the destitute, and those that are denied justice in this life. Sometimes we see it in this life. But there is an ultimate judgment day if we don't see it. In, uh, in the Bible, there's, there's a story about a woman. named The book, name of the book is Esther. Right? It's about a, a Jewish girl who becomes the queen of the Persian Empire. And she doesn't tell anyone she's Jewish. And there is a rather wicked man who's the prime minister. And he puts together a plot to literally have a genocide of all of the Jews because one particular Jew bothered him, Mordecai, and didn't bow down to him. And, of course, in the end, the queen goes before the king, pleads for mercy. Haman ends up getting hung on the gallows that he made to hang Mordecai on, right? Now, the, 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 the story shows us this, this thing, all right, that ultimately... Everybody is going to be judged. Some will be in this life, some won't be in this life. Now, I I want to read to you a small portion from the book of Psalms about the return of Jesus, because most of us do not understand that he comes back to be the judge, to set rights, well, excuse me, to set wrongs right. That is why Jesus is coming. All right? Psalms 110 The Lord is at your right hand and he will execute kings in the day of his wrath. He will judge among the nations. He will fill the place with dead bodies. He will execute the heads of many countries. How many of that, that was what you were thinking of? <laughs> he comes back to, as judge. He comes back, and he will set every wrong right. Nobody will get away with anything that sin will be paid for at the cross of calvary or there will be judgment day there will be all right if you were abused or somebody cheated you lied about you see you don't need to avenge yourself you need to turn that over to god you pray for that person All right. and god the righteous judge will see to it that the right thing is done God sees clearly wherever you are and whatever you've been through. He cares, he's just, and he will not be mocked. God is not mocked. Whatever the man sows, that he will also reap. See, the end of the story is not when you say, God, I forgive them. The end of the story is when either the blood of Jesus is applied or judgment day comes. That's the end of the story. All right? Now it's in 2 corinthians 5 verse 19 for god was in christ restoring the world to himself no longer counting or holding men's sins against them but blotting them out this is the wonderful message that he's given us to tell others you know there is forgiveness available for every person just like there's forgiveness available for you and for me if we confess our sins He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number two, Proverbs 22, verse 24. Don't make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. (laughs) Uh, He's going to be focusing here on a couple of different things. But one of the things he's talking about in this particular lesson here, this little counsel or proverb he gives us, is he says, you need to find the right bunch of people to be around. You need to have the right friends, the right guy. Your posse, it's important who's in your posse. You, you need to have the right bunch, all right? And it's not that he's, he's not talking about social status or ethnicity, right? In, in fact, it is really important that when we talk about the people that are around us, when we, when we choose those people, that we find some people that are going to stretch us, maybe some people you're not comfortable with. I remember when Jeannie and I were missionaries. We lived in Mexico for seven years. And we would watch as young missionaries would come. And it was almost like supernatural, the way they would get connected with the wrong people. right? They would get connected with people they felt comfortable with and they felt comfortable with people that spoke english and not spanish they felt comfortable with people that weren't doing very much because then they didn't feel intimidated and so they would they would start to hang around with the wrong people the people that weren't speaking the language well or at all and the people that weren't doing anything because if they would have hung around with the right people that were doing a bunch of things that would be like, oh, my goodness, look at this, look at that. You know, that would have have stretched them. It would be uncomfortable. But there's times when you and I need to get around some uncomfortable people. If you're a basketball player, you will never get better unless you play against people that are better than you. Right? And and in life, you and I, in our posse, he's telling us you need to have some people that are around you that are going to stretch you, people that maybe you don't feel real comfortable with, But they're going to encourage you to grow, right? Because we don't grow just naturally. But now Solomon is focusing on one particular character flaw here, right? And he's talking about the character flaw of being hot-tempered. He said, you be careful not to hang around with hot-tempered people, right? He said, because you're going to learn to do what they do. You're going to act like the people that you're around, that you're with. So Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, He said, don't hasten in your spirit to be angry because anger rests in the bosom of the fool. Uh, How many of you have ever been going down the expressway or someplace and all of a sudden you got somebody who's honking their horde on you, telling you that you're number one, tailgating? (laughs) How many of you have ever had that? All right. And you're like, what did I do? You don't even know what you did. All right. But this person, they're just like, they explode, you know. (laughs) are <laughs> like, what happened? Well, in their mind, you cut them off or you did, you did something in your mind, you didn't even know that it, that it was going on, you know. I, I remember several years ago, I went to the bank, all right. This was before we had auto deposits, you know. And I went to deposit my check. And I mean, the girl, she almost bit my head off, all right. And I'm like, what did I do? You know? And I'm literally thinking as I'm walking out of the car, what did I do? You know, And then I realized, I didn't do anything. I did not make her mad. She woke up mad. She went to bed mad. You know, there's people, they've been mad for a week, some of them for a month, some of them for a year, and some of them for a decade, and some of them longer than a decade. All right? And right, a, they got a smile on their face, and right underneath the surface, they're ready to explode. You just say or do the littlest thing, and you don't even know you did, and they're just like, wow! And you're like, ah! What did I do? You didn't do anything. They woke up like that. The Bible says that it, it rests. It just rests right underneath the surface. And at any time, it can just explode. Right? Probably many of us know somebody that's in that condition. Now, always, it goes back to unresolved conflict. There is someone who they believe did them wrong, or something happened in their life, and they believe that it was wrong, and they have not dealt with it. They haven't gone to God. They haven't forgiven somebody. And there's that unresolved conflict, and it's right under the surface. But the thing about unforgiveness is you think that you can, you can use it like a laser beam. But it's never like a laser beam. It's like a hand grenade. And everybody around ends up in trouble. Everyone around ends up getting affected. Your family, your friends, your co-workers, the dog, the cat, everybody. I mean, it just just comes on out, right (laughs) Right under the surface. Always, if you go in the back trail, it's unresolved conflict. Now, Ephesians 4, verse 26. I'm going to end with this. Not that we're done. We'll just pick up here again next week. I think my sermons are like boxcars. I just unhook and just hook back up. So come back next week. We'll finish this up. All right, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Next verse, neither give place to the devil. Got that? Neither give place to the devil. I said it before. Christianity is not just about being forgiven. It's about forgiving. It's about forgiving others. Jesus said every time you pray, you need to forgive. Now, here it says this, that if you don't forgive, you get angry, you don't forgive. It says you give Satan a place or a foothold. It's literally, it's like opening the door to your life, going, devil, come on in, mess with me. Nobody in their right mind is going to do that. But when you don't forgive, that's what it's like. You think, yeah, but they hurt me. And so you think you're going to hurt them. But listen, having unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. That, that unforgiveness, it affects you, not them. Right? In fact, most of the time, you're all uptight inside and they don't even know. They don't even know what they did. It's not affecting them. It affects you. So it says here to be angry but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Deal with it. Deal with it. Forgive. Release that person. Pray for that person. And put it in God's hands the righteous judge if you've been watching today but in your heart you know you're not right with god you're away from the lord you need to get right i want to invite you to pray a prayer with me to give your life to jesus to receive forgiveness to get right and also if you're watching but you don't know where you stand with god as so many people they figure when i die i'll find out if i made it to heaven but the bible says in first john we've written these things that you may know that you have everlasting life. You're supposed to know today that you're forgiven, that you're right with God, that you're on your way to heaven. Not when I die, I'll find out if I made it. And if you need to know today that you're right with God, I want to invite you also, bow your head, pray this prayer with us. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins, and I believe that he rose again. Today, I give him all of my heart, in all of my life. I turn my back on my old life. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer, that I'm forgiven, that my past is gone, that I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard your prayer. You're right with God. You're on your way to heaven. And we want you to keep growing spiritually. In fact, I wrote a book full of bullet points to help you growing spiritually. We want to give it to you absolutely free of charge. Now, you can download it electronically, or if you'll contact us, we will send you a hard copy free of charge. And again, full of bullet points to help you keep growing in God keep your relationship with Jesus alive. Thank you so much for being with us. God bless you.
0: If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so happy for you. To receive a copy of Pastor's free book, you can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book to be mailed to you, or you can download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free. While online, you can purchase a copy of today's message, Wisdom, in the WBF store. You can also download pastor's notes that go with this message under the On Demand page. Walking by Faith is used across the globe to spread the truth that changes lives on and off the air. To partner with us financially in this great commission, go to walkingbyfaith.tv slash give. If God is using Walking by Faith to change your life, we'd love to hear about it. You can connect with us on Facebook or send an email to your story at walkingbyfaith.tv. Next week, we'll be continuing Lessons Learned with part two, Forgiveness. We'll see you then.
1: Have I not written you 30 sayings for you? Sayings of counsel and knowledge, teaching you to be honest, to speak the truth, so that you may bring back a truthful report to those who you serve.
0: You can purchase a copy of Pastor's new book, Solomon Says, in the WBF store. This book has 30 chapters of life-changing insights on topics we deal with every day. You can also download a digital copy of this book for free. All the information is on the homepage of walkingbyfaith.tv.